in three, two, one. Welcome back to another episode of What the Bleep Are They Talking About? The podcast where we help you understand what everybody is talking about in the news today. I'm Jack. I'm Jennifer. And before we get started, make sure you share this content with everybody. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow us on all the social media down below. But don't follow people in real life because, guys... That's creepy. It's really creepy. And talking about following people, this segues into the people who follow those volunteers at the museum who show you around and talk about stuff. Mm -hmm. So what's going on at the museum? At the museum, specifically a museum in Chicago, Jennifer, they have decided, not the museum, but the consultants that they hired, in all their wisdom, they have decided to fire their volunteers and instead create paid positions for people who want to work at the museum Okay. instead of volunteering. Because they feel, this is what they say, that the volunteer positions encourage too many rich white women from taking those opportunities. And by offering a paid position, they could offer it to people who uh, are of lower income status and can't afford to volunteer their time willingly. I mean, I will say for them, like, good job trying to create more jobs, give back to the community. Like, good for you. Absolutely. Very good job. I completely agree with making more jobs, but if I was in charge of the museum, I would say, what the bleep are you (laughs) doing getting rid of these free positions and making my museum now pay people, Mm -hmm. which is going to likely increase the cost of admission, and it could even drive away the people who want to come in because they don't want to pay more for the ticket. And also think about this. If you're kicking out the volunteers because they're, quote, rich and white, who do you think supports the arts the most? Yeah. The rich people. Rich people. Do you think they're going to help out that museum anymore after you stabbed them in the back? Yeah, yeah. I wonder if maybe we didn't have to get rid of, or maybe, you know, like create new positions. Like maybe the volunteers transition into either a different role or the paid position is a different role. So... I feel like there's ways to work it out. It's where you keep your volunteers and and create more jobs. I I would agree with that. Maybe you could find um, a way. I I mean, I guess the argument could stand if you're having problems finding volunteers, Mm -hmm. especially with COVID and whatnot. You're saying, you know, we're having problems finding volunteers. We need to encourage more people to come in to show people around. So, you know, we're going to have to create paid positions to encourage more people to come in. And that could really be the case. But that's not what they're saying in the article, and the article is doing them no favors whatsoever, and I think they should fire this consulting company and get a new one. Because what's funny is they even talk about another museum in D.C., and they use that as justification for what they're doing, except the one in D.C. is doing something completely different from this. They're using a college... To, to get student volunteers who volunteer for college credit. And my assumption is by doing that, the museum is getting funding from the college mm-hmm. to support them. That is a completely different structure. That is a smart structure. What they're doing here is not very smart. And in Chicago, I don't think they're short on colleges or organizations <laughs> to work with. Yes, yes. Let's read on. Let's read on, please. This was a wonderful 
article that I read today. Like many museums nationwide, the Art Institute of Chicago pledged this year to better prioritize equity and diversity. But the latest of these efforts, a decision to dismantle its decades-old docket program, which is a volunteer program, uh, they are letting go over 100 of their volunteers. It has launched the museum into the national spotlight and resulted in backlash from conservative media and frustrated dockets. And you've even shown up on the What the Bleep Are They Talking About podcast. So you really messed up. (laughs) Uh, Docket programs, I'm just going to say volunteer programs. Yeah, yeah. Have long been mainstays of major museums where trained volunteers guide visitors through a museum's collection. But museum equity consultants say the programs are outdated, have too many barriers to entry, and as a result, often skew towards a certain demographic wealthy white women. The controversy around the Art Institute decision has reignited debate about the volunteer program and equity as consultants. Museum staff, volunteers, and Chicago residents clash over the way forward, whether to edit the existing program or dismantle and rebuild. I I say edit. At this point, they still have not addressed what the barriers are. Etc. Etc. Well, again, probably like you mentioned, you know, time and and the fact that you know people would like to volunteer, but if you're working two jobs or you're working, you know, your your full time job, maybe you just don't have that that freedom. But if you're you know stay at home, don't really have many responsibilities, mm-hmm. like obviously you can go and donate your time to museums and and things like that. I would love to be able to go and donate, like give tours of museums for free. Really? It would be awesome. Yeah. What I mean, museum would you give a tour to? Any of them. I mean, art museums, anything. Are you educated in that? No, but... Do you know about any of the things that they have? They would educate me. They would They would train me. So an interesting this, a thing this article brings up is that the people who are being let go have done just that they've spent years educating themselves and going through the museum and and knowing what they're talking about and they all did it for free yeah and And now you're going to be paying people to do it people who don't maybe want to do it in the first place other than doing it for the job maybe that's true also i guess my other problem is when i go to a museum most of those people are what old yeah and they are not working either and it's more of like a hobby for them so now we're not letting... What, like, what are the old people going to have to do anymore? It's a fair point. I mean, it's not very equity-based when you're taking from old people. Yeah. Um, anyway. Sometimes equity requires taking bold steps and actions. Right, but this isn't a smart action. At least not in a business model sense. Uh, Williams is not... Uh, according to someone named Monica Williams who is not associated with the Institute of Chicago, but we're apparently going to reach out to her regardless. Uh, You'll really have to dismantle and disrupt the system that has been designed to hold some up and others out. I don't think they're actually trying to hold people up and push others out. I mean, it's specifically for people who don't, who are volunteering. Yeah. Because they're passionate about it. Yeah, and it's like you said, you know, they're passionate about it. They've dedicated probably a lot of their lives to it. Like, 
And they probably, not that this makes a difference, but they've probably invested mm -hmm. not only money, but obviously their time and, mm -hmm. and their, yeah, like invested themselves uh -huh. into it. And so why wouldn't those people who care about the museum be the ones you have doing this job? But it's such a bad argument. Like are, are soup kitchens that are run off of volunteers, are they pushing out people? Because they can't take time to volunteer, they can't volunteer their time because they have to work two jobs. No, they're not. They're using people who have available time, and it's a great contribution to society because they've decided to to use that ability to, mm -hmm. to better everyone else. I don't think it's an argument that soup kitchens don't have money, and they certainly can't create paid positions for people. Yeah. Like these volunteers, like you can hate rich people. <laughs> But volunteers, in general, should be praised for their volunteering. And, I don't know, again, I say, like, transition them to something different. Like, do you lead them more into, like, a role where they're the ones meeting with potential donors? Like, they're the ones doing, you know, doing something that that would be equally as beneficial for the the museum i don't know i'm spitballing here but like don't just say hey thanks for all this time bye right it's like when i when i talk about the the, the mandates for the vaccines like don't get rid of people just reallocate them to a better position mm -hmm. uh, but but i still say you should praise the volunteers yeah. i you know there's a lot of terrible people in the world uh well not terrible but but there's a lot of people in the world who don't want to provide their time for others and we should be thankful for the people who do provide their time regardless of who they are absolutely um on september 3rd veronica stein the museum's executive director of learning and public engagement emailed the museum's more than 100 volunteers telling them that the program's current iteration would be coming to an end Stein told the Wall Street Journal that the museum must move in a way that allows community members of all income levels to participate, respond to issues of class and income equity, and does not require financial flexibility. And what's lovely is now all of these people who know the ins and outs of this museum are not going to be able to train the new people that they're hiring for pay. Because at this point, would you? No. I wouldn't. No. I'd be pissed. I'd be like, sorry, I was kicked out. Too bad. The AIC did not provide a copy of the email, uh, but said that the pause is part of a multi-year to a hybrid model that incorporates paid and voluntary educators. So okay. they're doing a hybrid. So they are doing a hybrid, but... Hmm. The decision led to a social media furor with conservative media. The Chicago Tribune decried the move in an editorial titled Shame of the Art Institute for some summarily canning its volunteer volunteers. Meanwhile, the Institute's Volunteer Council sent a letter on September 13th protesting the pause on the program. The letter describes the volunteers' expertise, adding that they trained twice a week for 18 months, done five years of research and writing, and participated in monthly and bi-weekly training. You're more than qualified. Like, more than qualified. And no one is going to be this qualified and dedicated. No one that you're paying minimum wage. I think that's exactly right. People who work jobs because they need to get paid 
right? It's not like a passion project for many people to, to I don't know, to, what are they going to get paid? $10 an hour to, to, tour, to give tours in the museum? Yeah. That's not passionate to them. And you could say, well, maybe there's one or two people who are passionate about it, Jack. Sure. That's not the majority of them. The volunteers overall are passionate because they're providing their time. They're committing to it. So if you're trying to give the public an education and to, to really exemplify your museum, you might want to keep like the really passionate people. Yeah. I just think it's a poor move. Mm -hmm. um, Meanwhile, the Institute, uh, the, yeah, uh, so for more than 60 years, volunteer, volunteers enthusiastically have devoted countless hours and personal resources to facilitate audience engagement in knowledgeable, relevant, and sensitive ways. As museums confront how to better educate the public of the art on their walls and reflect the diversity of the communities they serve, museum equity consultants have long advocated for transitioning volunteers to paid positions. Williams, from the Equity Project, said this shift would open doors for people who cannot afford to work on weekdays or do a significant amount of unpaid work. If volunteer programs switch to paid positions, she said, she said, it will help museums move away from a particular demographic of mostly white and wealthy. Volunteer programs have perpetuated whiteness in these spaces by volunteering their time willingly to better educate others who are not themselves, including possibly small children who come with their mothers for a day of education at the museum. How dare we allow this to go on? Unquote. No, that really was not a quote. That was sarcasm. That was all your opinion. Williams, who did not advise the Art Institute and does not know the details of what happened. What? What? So she doesn't know what happened, but, like but we're getting a quote. She's the executive producer or the executive director or something like that. They, they've mentioned her title up. Uh, up she's from uh, the Equity Project yeah, out of I Denver, I believe. I believe that's who they said they consulted for this, but she wasn't even part of the... Really? Okay. So what? Okay, so she has no idea what's going on apparently. Uh, but <laughs> has she ever been in this museum? This is why I said at the very beginning they should fire these consultants because they're terrible and clearly they don't even know what's going on. They they've never even set foot in this museum. So congratulations. Again, I'm not upset about the the race thing. I you know what, I mean yeah I think that's a problem. But I'm more upset by a consultant saying hey a good idea is taking a non-paid yeah, position, non position and making it a paid position. Like, um, get out, get out of here, you're fired. Uh, the stories that are told are based, uh, the stories in the museums, mind you, the stories that are told are based on the volunteer's experience or expertise, why well, I would hope so, which often comes from a white space and are not reflective of everyone's experience. So if you're talking about like a Roman sculpture, um, I don't think anyone, regardless of your skin tone, has an experience with the artist who made that Roman statue in, like, a thousand years ago. I don't think you can have a perspective <laughs> on a statue that was made hundreds of years ago. Yeah. I think you have expertise on it, and I really want the person that's spent five years researching that one particular item on mm -hmm. the list. Dear Lord. So we need them to really think critically. 
Um, we need you to really think critically here. Uh, to think about how stories get told and who tells them. I just want someone to like recite from Wikipedia. I just want the facts. Now, if you told me like there was like a little old lady who knew like someone like who actually made like the, the artwork, great 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 grandson or something. Yeah, yeah, like that's one. That's like the only instance where experience would be more beneficial over expertise because they actually have like a personal connection and they can actually tell you like a real story. So my thing is, is why don't we just have the little kiosks with the buttons oh my that you just press the button and it says in 1902 <laughs> yeah we if that's the issue just do that i yeah i don't see why not i mean i i, I don't know it's i'm the not, most unbiased yeah. way to do anything just let the technology do let the robots do it true and if you're going to pay for positions you might as well just pay just for those kiosks pay for the kiosks and pay for the upkeep of keep of them so yeah I don't see a problem with that, especially, I mean, you get but stuck in one of those engaging. tours. Yeah. I guess, I mean, I've been on many of those tours, and you can't really ask those people questions anyway. I mean, if you feel confident enough, maybe you'll be the guy in the front that asks, like, the mundane questions yeah. or something. But I don't know. I don't know. Um, Mike Murwaski, a museum consultant and author of Museums as Agents of Change. Mm -hmm. Aren't museums really just agents of relics, like things that don't really change? Like that's like the idea. These <laughs> things aren't changing, and we're going to tell you about what well, they were at the time. Agents have changed now, Jack. Okay, it's weird. Uh, he said there has been a tension between equity efforts and volunteer programs because of who is leading these groups. There are often gaps in the perspectives and experiences they represent in their work in educating the community said Murkowski, who did not associate with the Art Institute of Chicago as well. No one is associated with these people. So I think a lot, I want to hear from the Art Institute. Uh, so I think a lot of the systemic racism and colonialism, there's some buzzwords, that museums have always had in their institutions comes through these types of programs. They're volunteering. <laughs> Give it a rest. <laughs> Uh, when the Smithsonian, okay, so the, yeah, this is where they're talking about the DC thing. When the Smith, Smith, Smithsonian, there we go, ended its volunteer program in 2014 in favor of an initiative for younger volunteers who often work for college credit, Murkowski said there was an uproar with many saying the museum might as well close, but now he said they're doing just fine. But again, they did a completely different thing yeah. than what they're doing here. And I would add that's probably a little ageist if they're getting rid of the old people for the young volunteers. Yeah. I don't, like, how is any of this legal? Like, why can't we do both? Then you've got the college students interacting with the older generation with, you know, more experience. And I mean, that's good for everybody, right? I think that's fine. I think it's the right decision. Mm -hmm. Even if it may feel like they're standing out alone on this one. Five years from now, I think they'll be extremely glad that we've made these changes. I, and, yeah. Hmm. Again, I mean, I, I just don't, I don't think it's a good business model, and I, I do. I think you're pushing out the people who really, really care about your cause, and about what you're doing. Like, I think you've gone a little bit too far when you start attacking people who are volunteering their time willingly. Yeah. 
I think that's always bad. So what's going to happen is they're going to hire all of these people to work a minimum wage job. And in five years, like he suggests, in five years, uh, all of those people who are making minimum wage are going to start to protest because they're, they're making minimum wage and they want more money. And either the museum is going to give them the money and they're going to go out in business or they're going to fire them all and get the volunteers back. Yep. But then there will be no volunteers because you've pissed all of them off. I really kind of, I don't know. What if all the people that they fired are so wealthy that they just buy the museum? Oh my God, they should do that. They should just buy the museum. They should go in together and mm -hmm. buy the museum. I like it. I think that's a great plan. So we have this other article that kind of goes along with the first one. Because today, apparently, it's the week of race-baiting articles, apparently. So we've got the museum. And now we have this one out of Chicago as well. I just noticed that. <laughs> this is out of Chicago as well. What is happening there? Who knows? I thought, okay, whatever. Why is it always like the large blue cities that are just teeming with systemic racism? I'm so curious. <laughs> anyway, apparently the, uh, apparently the speed cameras okay the speed cameras that track your car's speed and give you a ticket if you're you know flooring it apparently those are racist uh, because the cameras largely impact black and brown drivers according to an advocacy group um i would say that the speed cameras are disproportionately affecting people that speed One one can only hope that that they're catching the people who are speeding. If I'm going like one mile over the speed limit, that doesn't count. Yeah, I hope it's doing like ten or fifteen yeah. over. Yeah. I mean, so. we're all human. We all know the rules of the road means you do fifteen or twenty over the speed limit, especially on highways. Uh, but you have to be wearing your mask on the highway, of course. We're all doing that. Yeah. Yeah. But like, what is uh, this? Just goes to show you that. The media just runs in the cycle, and this week is just race-based. Chicago's racist. Yeah, it's just race-based articles. I mean, we have another one we're not going to read, but it's about the Supreme Court being racist mm -hmm. because, uh, because uh, uh, dissenting opinions often are, I don't know, they have claims. Oh, it's six miles. What? Starting today, if you drive over six miles above the speed limit in Chicago past a speeding camera, you'll be getting a ticket in the mail. We need investment, not tickets. Okay, well, Six miles? I mean, that's terrible. That's awful. What if, what if I'm, like, passing somebody? Yeah, because you at least have to do, like, 10 or 15 to pass somebody. At least eight. You got to be safe about it. Yeah. All right. You got to... I gotta, don't you gotta... like this, but I'm not in Chicago, so good. Good, good, good. So, okay. So a volunteer-based organization says that excessive red lights speed cameras are a cash grab for the city to close cl to close their billion dollar deficit. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. Again, I I've said this before. I don't really have a problem with speed cameras because I think that is a good way to decentivize people from speeding on mm -hmm. highways and whatnot. I don't agree with six miles an hour. Yeah. I would agree with twenty or, or something 15. like that. Plus then you don't have to waste tax dollars having police out on the road just mm -hmm. pulling people over and, and whatnot. The Chicago based advocacy group said the red light cameras are not only a cash grab but they disproportionately affect black and brown drivers. 
Chicago Coalition for Change, a volunteer-driven organization. My question for them is... Are you, will you be getting rid of your volunteers? Because, yes. you know, some people just don't have time to volunteer. And you're probably disproportionately affecting people. So. Really? And I want experiences coming from different people. Oh, yes. From all people. Not just yeah. those that have time to volunteer. Uh, they should really create uh, paid positions in there, a volunteer organization. And you know what? There should be a coalition or a uh, consulting firm that comes in and tells them this. People have too much. I, I don't know. People have too much time on their hands, I guess. I and they know. start these organizations. And I don't know. Uh, I really don't know what the problem is. Anyway, the Coalition for Change, uh, whose goal is to abolish red light cameras in Illinois, wow. Illinois, has been asking for Chicagoans to join their cause. Maybe just like aren't red light cameras like a good thing for Haven't stopping? Have they been ruled unconstitutional? I don't know. Why would they be? I don't know. I feel like that's the reason Florida got rid of most of theirs because something happened and they were almost ruled like unconstitutional. I yeah don't know enough. About I can it. see really... them being problematic. I watch um what is it caught in Providence and it seems like all the time people come before like traffic court mm -hmm. and the judge says you know he has to look at the video and he says you know listen it, it took your picture but you know you were three seconds over the line or, or this that and the other thing I'm gonna let you go. So I guess you can make the argument that you know realistically the the the, the cameras are too strict compared to what a police officer might pull you over for. Yeah. And I guess you can make an argument there that maybe they're doing more harm than good because they're backing up the judicial system or, or, or something of that, that, something like that. Although I will always, um, sir, I will say that my sister and I have always wanted there to be like the a-hole police. So like volunteers on the road who have the right to like pull somebody over because they're cutting people off in traffic and stuff. Obviously, that would never happen, but, like... Sounds so dangerous. It, but, like, you know those moments where you're just like, wow, where is a cop when you need it to see this guy that's being, like, a complete jerk? Right, and that's traffic? why I say, like, they should have the cameras for that. But those are not the people that they're catching, it right, seems right, like. Right, like, right. it's still people just going <laughs> six miles over the speed limit to, to pass... You know, somebody going 20 miles on I don't know. So. It seems like they need, like, an AI system. So they have that self-learning technology. So it seems like there needs to be this system where, you know, people go to court and they're like, you know, this one, it's not really that big of a deal. And they yeah. hit a button, it's like, no. And it's like, okay, something like this, we're going to get, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to catch it. And then everything else, it kind of, like, keeps. Yeah, 100%. Um, red light camera tickets ruled unconstitutional, according to UngerandCoet.com. Uh, finally, some good news in the fight against red light cameras. Tickets in Florida. Today, the 4th District Court of Appeals ruled that it is not legal. Um, and this is, I mean, it's coming from a blog. Um, but hey, maybe. What year was this? Tw oh, 2019. Hmm. Um, hmm. Yeah, well, if it changed, let us know in the comments. Yeah, I think a lot of them have been reinstated recently, but... Yeah, for the most part, they at least here in Florida, they were a lot of them were taken out. So that's a thing. I mean, hey, I can change my perspective. If you can prove to me that they're actually doing more harm than good, then I say get rid of them. Like, really? Yeah. Mm, I'll have to read more into that. But earlier this year, Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot announced that the speeding violation threshold would be lowered in an effort to lessen fatal motor vehicle crashes, which increased 77% in 2020. But isn't it if you're driving slower, you're more likely to get into a crash? 
Like, if you're driving slow on a highway and everyone else is going fast. But is the person who's driving slow's fault, or is it people going faster? Well, I think it's the person who's driving slow, because they're going... S I mean, if the person's not going over the speed limit, and the person the is going limit. slow, it's the person who's going slow because they're creating a barrier in, in the road, I, I guess. I don't Fines range from $35 to $100 uh, for those going 11 miles per hour or more miles over the speed limit. 100 No! Sometimes that just happens. How many times have you been pulled over? Uh, one. Oh, well, okay. A spokesperson for the advocacy group said that the cameras have not been approved by the city council and have been placed in areas with higher minority populations. Do they really, like, go around and count all the cameras? Like... How would you know that? Red light cameras, uh, I mean, there, there's an argument. If the argument is, I mean, I think the argument is stupid when you say that the cameras are disproportionately catching speeders who happen to be black and brown when they're actually just calculating the speed. But if you know for certain that there are more cameras in minority areas, yeah. then you could make an argument that that is, that is uh providing a disproportionate impact. That, yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. I thought it was going to be that, you know, they do have somebody, like, monitoring it to make those judgment calls and be like, ah, well, you know, you were, eh, you were okay. And mm -hmm. maybe, like, if it takes a picture of the front of the vehicle and the back of the vehicle, maybe they were going to argue, like, oh, these people are more disproportionately saying, oh, the black person is, is speeding, whereas mm -hmm. this other person might not be. That's the our area or the direction I thought we were going with this, but that does make sense. Like, that is a fair argument. Mm -hmm. If we're putting more in areas that are more known to be lower class and, right. and possibly, you know, minority areas, then, yeah, that's disproportionately affecting you. But I think you don't have an argument if that is the case, but the plan is to put more cameras in non-minority communities yeah. and thus maybe in, like, I don't know, a year or so, it's going to equal out, then I don't think you really have a case. Then you're just arguing against red right cameras in general, which is fine. Argue against that. I, I just think well, a lot of the time the problem is with these groups is their messaging is not that great. Like, I don't think you can shoehorn in race to everything. Like, the, the article headline was what got me. Yeah. But when you actually get to the nitty-gritty... I think they might have something. I just would hope that these groups... I think these groups typically do have something. It's just the verbiage that they use does not work. they got to use the buzzwords. So. And the buzzwords don't work. They don't work because they're confusing, and, and only people in the tribe know what the buzzwords mean. And, and buzzwords don't even need to have a definition. They just use them, and people go, oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes share. Uh, museums and systemic racism or something. A report showed that the city of Chicago which is more than 32% black and 30% Latino, nice try with that Latinx thing, has 162 speed cameras in 69 safety zones. I don't know what that means. Uh, the group also claims that the speeding regulations are the city's way of raising revenue for essential workers who have to drive during the pandemic. In the past year, Illinois uh, has, up, has had an uptick in fatal motor, motor vehicle crashes despite the pandemic, which gave many people the option to work at home. Um, I mean, if they really do decrease fatal motorcycle accidents, then, I mean, I wouldn't have a problem with red light cameras. It sounds like they're doing a world of good, and if you're speeding, you should probably stop. Yeah. Um, and so if you're advocating against the red light cameras, I mean, you're, un you're, probably you're unintentionally, you're unintentionally 
uh, in favor of more crashes, I guess. I mean, not really, but really. Not really, yeah, but... Uh, city officials suggested that because the pandemic freed up a lot of congestion on the road, it tempted drivers to be more reckless and less precautionary. Yeah, probably. Lightfoot, who took office in 2019, said that the goal is not to issue more tickets, but to discourage speeding that could cause severe injury and death. And honestly, that could be the case. Um, it could just be that everyone is getting a lot of tickets right now because mm-hmm. they just put on all these cameras and that negative learn. right that negative reinforcement has not yet taken hold. Mm-hmm. And maybe in two years, you will see less tickets because everyone has already received tickets and said, yo, this is BS. I'm just going to slow down and, and maybe not plow through that red light. Uh, since being implemented in March of this year, the city has made $11.3 million in revenue. Some of which is presumed to go towards Chicago's $1.2 billion deficit. I guess, yeah, I guess if you make uh, volunteers into paid positions, that's <laughs> going to help get some income tax to help them out or something. You're going to need that. Uh, on the Chicago Coalition for Change's website, several news stories. Isn't, it's not really change, though, if they're getting rid of red light cameras. Like, the red light cameras are a new thing. So it's really the uh, Coalition for Progression. Like, they're taking something away. Yeah. Anyway. I just love it. Uh, several news stories and statements from legislators uh, who do not approve of the speed cameras are featured. For years, Democratic legislators have told the public that they are in favor of red light camera reform. But in private, they work behind the scene to kill reform legislation because their local governments are addicted to the revenue. How dare those dirty politicians support red light cameras? It's, it's just so funny. But I think the point is, like, just be honest about it. Just be like, uh-huh. listen, we're going to see if these reduce, like, we're going to implement these. Uh-huh. We'll do the research. We'll do the, we will tell you in five years if crashes have reduced. Oh, yeah. Perfect. If not, mm-hmm. we'll look at it again. But, like, just be honest about if you support it or not. Don't be like, no, 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 we don't like those. And then be like, no, 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 no. Get, get that in there. I completely agree with you. I just thought it was funny because it's the same argument that people use for like, oh, this this senator or, or, or representative uh, publicly says they don't support big pharma, but they support big pharma in private. And just switching out like cameras is is kind of funny. Yeah, I don't know. And and in this case, it is kind of funny because it's like they're actually paying attention to the areas that they're supposed to be helping. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what we want them to do. Um, but I do agree with you. I, I think that you should have, like, a sunset clause. And so then your legislation, you have to take it up for a vote again in maybe five or ten years. And that allows you to do some research and say, okay, have these actually been beneficial or not beneficial? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I – mean, it's kind of weird. Like, uh, the politicians do privately support these things. But at the same time, they are costing taxpayer money. Other representatives and locals have also been outspoken about how the speed cameras have hurt them financially. That's the point. Uh, The alderman of the 9th Ward, Anthony Beal, said that there is no guarantee that the speed cameras will reduce deadly crashes in the city. Can't you just look at data from, like, other cities that have speed cameras and see whether or not... I mean, I get get it's a different city, but it gives you a ballpark... It does, and they definitely should, and they should be re- like releasing that information. Like, Release that be the their information back. Release the red light that information. Counter argument. Uh, but what we know is that the city's speed camera function 
as a cash cow. People are hurting right now. We're in a crisis. We're in a pandemic. Now we're just going to basically just compound the problem that people are already having. I mean, you could just slow down. Yeah, just slow down. Leave for work a little earlier. Calm down. Like, that's the whole point. It's the negative reinforcement. Mm -hmm. Again, they have a case, and they also don't have a case. <laughs> but we'll see. Yeah. If it saves lives, fantastic. We will do a follow-up in five years yes. with all of the data. Hopefully, if they actually give us data. That's, that's what you don't find, is that they actually... Do they actually release the data? Do they actually take the data? Like, or do they just gather it and then, eh, whatever. So I guess we'll see. And let's provide more funding to get that data. Mm -hmm. Because data's great. Um, empty sentiments are, are not effective in any way, shape, or form. Uh, but check out that other article about the sh Supreme Court being racist. We're not gonna read that now. Yeah. And let us know in the comment section down below are you from Chicago? What and, do you think? Yeah, what do you think of the red light cameras? Uh, have they impacted you? Have they benefited you? And are you working with the red light camera industry to secretly get funds? For your city, oh darn. For, your, for yourself, they're funneling, they're funneling some mm -hmm. of that, that, uh, the, the, the money that they're getting on the tickets to, yeah. the, to the pockets of these people. To uh, the inventor of the red light camera. And with that, we will see you guys in the next one. See you later.